Welcome to the Recycle Podcast, where we discuss everyday issues from a mental health perspective. We are your hosts, Dr. LaFanya Jones, Dr. Rashonda Strickland, and Dr. Nichelle Wall. Now don't get it twisted. We're not going to be your stereotypical therapists. What we will be is down to earth, informative, a little spicy, and vulnerable. All right, interns, turn up the volume, grab your pen and paper. It's supervision time. As a reminder, this podcast is not meant to take the place of a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to session 30. This ain't that. Okay, interns, we just realized that um, we haven't given y'all a real definition of what therapy is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our bad. (laughs) Yes, our bad. So we are going to kind of do a slight little breakdown and differences between what a licensed professional, a life coach, pastor, and a psychiatrist is. Mm Mm-hmm. We may give you some other ones, just those are the main ones we're going to start with. Yeah. So um, there are, when it comes to licensed mental health professionals, each state is going to call them something different. Um, But the easiest defaults are you have psychologists um, who typically have a doctorate degree. You have licensed professional counselors who can have a doctorate degree or a master's degree. Now, this one, again, is going to be called something different in each state. Sometimes it's licensed mental health professional, licensed mental health counselor. It just depends on where you are. You have um, what are called LMFTs or licensed marriage and family therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, LCSWs. Uh-huh. Licensed. Social workers. Yes. <laughs> I thought I said it. I thought Dr. Strickland was going to finish. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Social workers. And then you have some other kind of smaller licenses, um, chemical dependent, at least in the state of Texas. Uh, you know, we're not sure if these particular licenses exist outside of our state. LCDC, mm-hmm. which is a licensed chemical dependency uh, counselor. And that's associate level. Mm hmm. And then you have an LSOT, which is uh, a licensed sex offender treatment provider. provider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, which is, a, I think, a doctorate level. You have to be at that, too, don't you? It's no, you master's. Be, mm-hmm. It is master's level? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so at least for the state of Texas, those are, and, and then you have a psychiatrist who is a medical um a medical doctor and then you have psychiatric nurse practitioners whom of course are nurse practitioners who mm-hmm. uh, are board certified in um, psychiatry slash behavioral health yeah and they're typically giving you medication now some do some minor counseling mm-hmm. but they typically are the person who prescribes medication yes mm-hmm. so don't go to your therapist slash counselor for medication unless they have another degree and are licensed in that Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but 
more than likely they're going to tell you they don't prescribe medication because we get it all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, we just came to get medication. No. Well, let me refer you out. (laughs) And that's a whole other situation. Why are you just getting medication for your symptoms? You don't want to get the root? Okay. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) So then what is therapy? So this is a question, you know, that we typically answer for like first time clients because they're unsure of what they're about to experience. They're only background for therapy and guys we will use counseling and therapy interchangeably here. Um, you probably can find some, if you were to Google some very slight differences in what those definitions of those two things are, but for the purposes and ease of today's session, we will use those two terms interchangeably, um, as well as counselor and therapist. Um, we will just kind of put all of those licenses um, underneath with the exception of psychiatry. Um, so we usually try to define therapy for clients when they first come in, because especially for first timers, because their background really is generally what they've heard from other people that have uh, may have gone to therapy or what they've seen in TV and movies, <laughs> which is not always accurate. Mm-mm. I would say the overwhelming majority of time, it's not accurate. Mm. Can you guys think of any accurate scenes that you've ever seen with a therapist or even mildly accurate? You know, I, I will have to say, yeah, I probably don't watch this show, but Monk, he was in therapy. Yeah, he did. That was a good he, one. He was a decent mm-hmm. per, uh, depiction of a therapist. Okay. I mean, I would say acrimony is a good one. She just needed a higher level of care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily that the therapy was not right she was in the wrong level of care and that's something that we can go into more detail if that's something that y'all need um and it's another Tyler Perry film where she was with the dude and he ended up being abusive um I can't think oh, of that's it like Almost all of them. I know. <laughs> well, it's not a Medea film, though. It's a, oh, a Tyler gotcha. Perry oh, film. Gotcha. Um, oh, gotcha. And her husband was Lance Gross with his beautifully chocolatey self. Mm-hmm. Lance Gross. Oh, what is that movie called? Mm-hmm. I don't remember I, what the that movie That one is I, not I, coming to mind. I think it's like The Marriage Counselor, technically, but I don't think that's the name of the movie. It's mm-hmm. after The Marriage Counselor, the play, but I can't think of the name of the movie. I think I know which one you're talking about. But that they Mm -hmm. I've seen a honest effort from black directors to showcase black therapy in a correct light. And I appreciate that. That's good. That's real good. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we try to do with individuals is give them a a much more mm, well-rounded definition of what therapy is Mm -hmm. and You know, one of the things that I talk with my clients about is that, you know, it's not me with alphabet soup behind my name (laughs) telling you what to do. You know, I'm not going to be giving you advice and, Mm -mm. um, you know, directing your life. No, not at all. You know, that part of this journey is me walking with you. Yes, absolutely. But helping you figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. I always tell them I don't give advice. I ask questions. 
Yes. And if you want advice, <laughs> you can go to your friends and family for that. Because mm-hmm. mm. there's no, you don't need any degrees or licensure certifications to give advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think we were all probably taught in uh, school that if you give them advice and it f- fails, then it's your fault. Yeah. You know, and but if you, if they talk themselves into their own answer, then they will succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is not to say that, you know, therapists don't offer a suggestion, mm-hmm. um, but it's always um, covered or couched with, you know, that expectation that this is, you know, your decision mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a suggestion um, because sometimes clients do struggle with coming up with ideas or coping skills and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you offer them, you know, a way to kind of get the ball rolling. But again, it's always kind of sandwiched with, you know, this is a decision that you make. You have to figure out which one works for you and, and decide and go from there. Yeah. I think one of the other pieces of what therapy is, um, is exploration um, one something that I do talk with initial clients about is that we, you know, look at the past, but we don't stay in the past. We work in the present and we use that to kind of help with what's to come mm-hmm. in the future. And that's one of the things I think one of the big differences between mental health providers and other um, professionals is we do we have a foundation of theoretical orientations that we all learn. And what that is, is basically kind of our guide. So you have, you have different ones. I won't name all of them, but you have like Freudian, which is, which is the one that people typically know is um, psychodynamic. We have cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is CBT, REBT, rational emotive behavioral therapy. We have solution focus. We have reality therapy. It's a lot of them. Logo therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so all of us, every therapist you have probably has a founding foundation of one of them, but we pull from several of them. So for me, mine is CBT and RABT. That's what, that's my go-to to find, to figure out tools, to think of tools, because I try not to do cookie cutter uh, tools for my clients, but I, the basics of what even I will create in therapy is going to probably be cognitive behavioral therapy or REBT centered. And for most mental health providers, that's where they're focused that like we, we all have one. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that don't know, cause you know, this is your psych one oh one lesson, uh, today guys. <laughs> so what, is uh cbt and rebt which we all do which is hilarious yes (laughs) yes um like this is gonna be your like lightning round quick fast dirty version yes um so it's basically looking at the intersection between thoughts feelings and actions Mm -hmm. and how that kind of dictates life what you're experiencing and you basically challenge some of those ideas um and feelings narratives Mm -hmm. stories storylines that we have um 
and they're called schemas again this psych 101 lesson <laughs> um but i was hearing to say that but you was on the roll <laughs> yeah but these personal internal um belief systems that we have these two approaches basically seek to challenge some of those belief systems and help you find an, a healthier alternative mm-hmm. uh, i also uh, yes i am definitely an rebt cbt um, as I think foundational, yeah. like yeah. T- as far as technique is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart is really in existentialism. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My heart is in existentialism, ex- existentialism as well as like reality therapy slash kind of like choice. Yeah. Um, choice theory. I think we all kind of do reality therapy as well. I mean, it's, the one right next to REBT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be in the same boat as the other ladies, uh, rational emotive behavior therapy and reality therapy are my main ones that I go to. Cause we are very um, in your face in a polite way when it comes to therapy. Like we want our clients to take back their own lives and not be victims. Uh, Cause a lot of times that's what, you end up being when you first start coming to therapy, you Mm -hmm. have been victimized in multiple different ways. It doesn't have to be like abuse, but you've been victimized in some type of way and you no longer have your own power. So it's about, okay, this is what has happened to me. Now, what do I get to do with it? So I love that those two theories are like that. Um, But my training also is with logotherapy and for anybody who's wondering what logotherapy is it technically is the therapy that Viktor Frankl um, came up with and Viktor Frankl is the man who wrote Man's Search for Meaning it's my favorite book um, it, it deals with the spiritual concept and being able to transcend the things that are going on around you and if you hear what I'm saying it's still a theme with like rebt and, and rational uh i mean not rational emotive but uh what is the other one cbt cbt so it all goes together and um i actually trained under the president of the Vic- victor frankel institute so i love that because i am as a christian or as someone who is spiritual or my other clients who are muslim or hindu or whatever that element comes into play with their therapy and I can intertwine that in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what you can anticipate, and of course, every therapist slash counselor is going to behave differently in their sessions. You ain't never lie. Um, as in all professions, you have some great ones and you have some trash ones. Dumpster juice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not all therapists are created equal. And I'm sure that all three of us can provide all kinds of stories that clients have told us about therapists that have, you know, abused them in some sort of way, taken advantage of them in some sort of way. And this is different from because I believe all of us have those uh, sessions where we say something that was like, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad therapist. Mm-hmm. That just means that, you know, it didn't land and you are always welcome to talk to your therapist about, mm-hmm. you know, being offended or saying something that 
you didn't like that doesn't mean that you have to fire them that doesn't mean that you have to quit them you can just talk talk about it especially if you have a good therapist because some good therapists are hard to find Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what can you expect in a typical first session um what i think and you ladies comment and tell me if you if you disagree or agree um i think that's going to depend on your therapist's background Mm-hmm. So I think if your therapist has a background in inpatient or higher levels of care, your first session is going to look a little bit different than a therapist that has only ever done outpatient. And I, I, I say that because when you've worked in higher levels of care, you are listening for certain types of keywords. Mm-hmm. You are listening, you are um, going down and assessing for certain types of things mm-hmm. to determine if this if the level of care that they're coming to you for is appropriate um, and what if they need to be in a higher or lower level. Yeah. And the report, if there's going to be a good report mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you can't, you can't determine it solely on the first session, but you can determine like, okay, is this going to be a good fit or not? Mm-hmm. You know, um, even to eat, try and get to the second one to see if you can build a rapport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for everybody listening, rapport is like your vibe, the vibe that you have with your therapist from therapist to client, client to therapist that that's important because you're mm-hmm. going to be telling your deep, dark secrets and things that are very painful for you to bear to someone else. And you need to have somebody that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. And cause I always tell on my first, um, session, I always let them know at the end, or not at the end, at, after I do my little spiel, I let them know, okay, so at the end, after we finish your intake, we are going to decide if we're a good fit for each other. If we are, you can schedule another appointment. If not, I can give you some referrals. That way you can find you a therapist that you think will be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And I say it will be no hard feelings and I'm we are okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So if you've never been to therapy and you are um, considering it, so like we talked about one of the previous sessions about pre-contemplation versus contemplation. So if you're kind of in the contemplation phase of thinking about going to therapy, you have just because you went to see somebody, that doesn't mean that that's a therapist. You can fire them Mm -hmm. just like any other person you hire. You can fire them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that I, I definitely try to embody and, let clients know is that it is okay to challenge me. Mm-hmm. It is yep. okay to ask me questions. And I actually tell my clients, I encourage you to, to do that with all of your practitioners. Mm-hmm. Part of our job is to answer your questions. Part of our job is to have good bedside manner and put you at ease. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not just simply because we have all of this knowledge in this one particular area that makes us much more it makes us smarter, makes us better. You know, it just means that we've developed a certain expertise in a thing Mm -hmm. and it is okay to discuss, question, inquire about that thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's your treatment. Yeah. It's your treatment. It's your life. And I always tell my clients, you're the author of your life. I am not. You're telling me your story from your perspective and I'm just telling you what I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't do cookie cutter therapy in mm. this office. Not at all. So it is is catered to the specific person that is sitting across from us. We want to make sure that they that we are meeting their needs and we are an ally or an advocate for the things that they want to accomplish. And sometimes that means we got to go against you. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. So ask about your your clinician's credentials. If you're yeah. unsure what those mean, what are these letters? What is your license type? What is your training? You know, these are questions that are okay for you to ask. Especially when they have, because all of us have multiple alphabets behind mm-hmm. our name. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. you need to ask because some, like some of mine, it, people haven't necessarily mm-hmm. heard of if you're not in the, a particular uh, environment. So the, and uh, one of them is the MAC, which is the master's addiction counselor. And if you're not in addiction, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't know that. Right. You know, so you, know, you just out here macking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my y'all, my therapist got a Mac degree. <laughs> <laughs> so please ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing that therapy is, is it is a walk with your clinician. You and this person are working together. You are coming up with theories, you are coming up with um ideas you are you know making um connections to certain events certain people you are learning strategies techniques and getting gaining insight about yourself um gaining insight about your circumstances you know this is something that you do with a person and if which is one of the reasons why I was saying it's okay to ask about credentials because you Mm want to make sure that the person that you're working with knows how to help guide you through all of this journey, you know, that they know they have a, a framework that they're pulling from. So it's not simply just you're coming in and we're shooting the breeze and then you leave. And it is okay for you to ask them what their theoretical orientation is. Now, you may not know what it means when you ask them, but you can ask them to tell you what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important that you get whatever information you need from your therapist in order to put yourself at ease. Now, that's not to say that you get to pry into their personal life because their personal life has no business in your session. That's yes. from them or from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to you have to be mindful of that. This is not a friend at all. This is somebody that you are paying good money or your insurance is paying good money to help you with a mental, behavioral, emotional related situation or problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a one-sided relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, while it is a very, when I say intimate, I don't mean romantic or sexual under any circumstances, but it is an intimate relationship because you learn very deep, you know, emotional, sometimes scarring information about a person. Um, But it is one-sided or if the person is, if your therapist is acting the way that they've been taught how to act, (laughs) let's say that um the way that should be right the way that their board of ethics has told them um then it is going to be a one-sided 
relationship. Now, this does not mean that you may not learn small trinkets of information about your mm-hmm. therapist. So like, for example, a lot of clients know that I'm married. I'm wearing a wedding, wedding ring. So it's, it's pretty obvious that I'm married, but sometimes they will come out and flat ask. Mm-hmm. Are some, you? And some, some will ask, do you have children? Mm-hmm. And, and depending on why they're asking, I may or may not ask the question. Answer the question. Yep. <laughs> Y'all know what I meant. <laughs> I was going too fast. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and it's so funny because I was just talking about this with um Dr. Jones yesterday or day before yesterday. Um, that I have a client in particular that likes to ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um and they always preface it before they ask, like, I don't know if this is okay. Or, you know, something along those lines. And I finally had to tell this individual, like, look, you are free to ask me anything that you want to ask me. I will discern whether or not I believe that question is appropriate and relevant um, to your situation or if you're just trying to be nosy. Yeah. So like a prime example, um, and this is not something that you would typically do all the time, but for my particular clients, this is what I did. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I let them know that this would be going on. They don't know intimate details about anything, but because I am part of their support system, I have to reassure them that I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I have to let them know I am coming back, especially my folks who have abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. Abandonment can be somebody passing away. It don't have to necessarily be somebody walked out of your life. So Mm -hmm. that's some information that you could definitely give, but you have to make sure that um, you're helping them process through that. So, I would have a, uh, when I got diagnosed the next two weeks, most of my sessions or half of my session would be about um, them. And then I would give the the other half of the session time for them to decompress and me tell them what is going on and what is about to take place. And if they have questions pertaining to that, then go into detail because they wanted to know, okay, are you leaving the practice? Are we going to have to go to a new Mm -hmm. doctor? Um, things of that nature. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to be out for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have to, it's okay to give certain, certain pieces of information, but it needs to be from the standpoint of this is about the client. This is not about you, the therapist. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had to do the same thing, but I didn't tell them why I was yeah. going to be out for six weeks. I just told them that I would be out for six weeks for my, for my, veteran I guess uh clients they will be like you okay and I, <laughs> I'm gonna be fine I'll mm-hmm. be back in six weeks and but I because I was gonna be gone for so long I did have to transfer my clients to someone else yeah because I was gonna be gone for so long and I had to help them transition mm-hmm. so that they didn't feel like I was being abandoned I was abandoning them yeah mm-hmm. so that's one thing therapy is not you know, it is not about your clinician. So if your provider is coming in and talking about themselves and spilling their problems onto you and, you know, making it about them or they are always kind of personalizing what you're saying. Um, and by personalizing, that's just saying that they're taking what you're saying and, and making it relevant to them somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is not what therapy is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what friends do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be given life stories because it's not about them. Now, it's another thing that they're saying, okay, give if I give an example and they say I blah, blah, blah. That's not 
that's not them interjecting into your life, uh, putting their life into your life is them saying, okay, let me give you some perspective. Let me not say when you do this, they're taking that off of you. So you, you have to make sure that you're not giving an emotional response to (laughs) what your therapist is saying either. Well, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they may disclose something that is pertaining to what you just said to give you an example. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, let's see. So say for instance, if, um, so one example I tend to give mine is when I'm working with, um, women or couples, I talk about, um, you know, one of the big things is job, um, distribution in Mm -hmm. the home. So I do talk about, you know, how my spouse and I, you know, discuss, separation mm-hmm. of job exactly. duties yes yeah yeah you know what i'm saying but they don't know about oh well, he and i had an argument last no. night oh, about God, it. No. you know what i'm saying so no. there it's a very specific example it's a very stock answer that i give mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know it may be an example of like how i set boundaries with my significant other yeah. but it won't be like yeah but i tell him he gotta do this and he gotta do no 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 it's mm-hmm. the commonality I, yes yeah. and yeah. It, it helps people realize that this this is okay. Okay. Other people do yes, this. Yes, yes. Because, you know, a lot of things that you're going to be talking about in therapy are going to be things that you've heard for the first time. And you're like, this some crazy mess or whatever. And it's not actually. It's that we have probably lived a very dysfunctional life before uh, becoming more self-aware about things. Mm-hmm. And some, especially with some of the women that we see in relationships and not, having that example of healthy relationships they need to know if it's normal that you know men call from the grocery store and be like babe what we need now and it's like dude i just told you (laughs) five minutes before you left right (laughs) like they don't and so you 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 that may be a situation where yeah my significant other does that that same thing so uh, men tend to do things like that you know you may say something like that and it's very general yeah Yeah, I think another thing to keep in mind is that therapy is work. (sighs) Hard work, (laughs) very hard work. You know, I, I haven't said this to a new client in a while, but something that I used to tell them was if you have a headache when you walk out of here, then we did something. Because that means your mind was working, either your mind or your heart was working, one of the two. And. And, and if you leave out of the office cause, and, and go immediately to your car and start typing stuff in your phone or writing stuff down, we did something because you, you're trying to remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so therapy is work. It is, it is not. Now, of course, again, there is a spectrum when it comes to therapy skills and techniques. But in a very general sense, it is not you just coming in and just dumping a bunch of information on a person and then you walk out of the door. No. You know, there is, I tell clients all the time, you think coming in here and talking to me is the, the hard part. The hard part is when you walk out of the door and you have six days and 23 hours that I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I'm not there to guide you. I'm not there to um, challenge that thought. I'm not there to reframe. I'm not there to um, provide an example. And you have to do this stuff on your own. I I like it when my clients get to the point, not that I need them to have my voice in their head, but (laughs) I like it when they get to the point where like, I was getting ready to do this or say this or interact with this person. And I heard your voice. Now, now what you're going to do now? 
And they'll say it just like I said. Mm-hmm. Now, what you going to do now? Because mm-hmm. you already did it. Now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, my phrase is, so this what we doing? <laughs> <laughs> this what we doing. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, therapy is a, a relationship that is like no other. Because mm-hmm. it is one of the only places that you will be able to have an unbiased response from someone that is there solely for you there is no other reason for your therapist to be there mm-hmm. what would be killing me sometimes is when they say i'm just so ashamed to tell you this it's just so embarrassing oh really? my gosh and we're I, not friends and, uh. and first of all i have to let them know look it is nothing i work with sex offenders yeah. ain't nothing you can say <laughs> exactly that's gonna make yes. me be like oh my god no all of us have worked in patients so we have there is seen nothing, a lot of a lot if you mm-hmm. shock me you doing the most and you probably about to go to the hospital oh okay. yeah you know, so no you fine oh yeah <laughs> like dude i've been stabbed with a pen <laughs> i've been spit on pushed hey kicked my first interview i was chased around a table <laughs> by myself as an intern and the dude was six four and i'm five two so we we got some stories yes. yeah lots i have heard we have heard the worst of the well i don't even want to say mm. it's the worst of the worst it's just it's like it's us now we just hear it now mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know and i and i think we all do this but it is something that i try to make sure that i communicate with my clients like you do not have to be afraid you do not have to be embarrassed that whatever you are going to say is going to offend me. It is going to shock me. It's going to scare me. Um, mm-hmm. Cause funny enough, I had a client the other day um, say that she felt like she might need to quit because she thought uh, she was too being too difficult. <laughs> no. And I was like, girl, get off Al Gore's internet with that, you know, <laughs> because, and I was trying to explain to, you know, this person that, if I have a problem with being your therapist, I will tell you if yes. I believe that I've gotten to a point where I've taken you as far as I can go, if I can't process your trauma mm-hmm. anymore, or if I can't give you additional skills to work on or whatever problem you've come to address with me has been addressed and I don't have the expertise to address the next issue, then I will let you know. Yeah. And you know, we get a lot of that, uh, well, I do, uh, with the LGBTQ community because they'll come in, you'll start seeing them and then they'll say, well, do you have a issue with this, 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 that, and the other? I wouldn't have took you on. That's the point of being in private practice. I don't have to take all the cases. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. are seeing a therapist who has a problem with the LGBTQ community or any other community or culture, then hopefully they would have told you that during the intake or even when you call, because hopefully that question is being asked of why you're coming to therapy when you call to make the appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had several of my clients tell me that they have seen a therapist before me and they had a problem with some part of their life or they were trying to convince them that it was a sin or they were trying to change this about them or they were trying to say that like I had a woman who was totally fine with being the weight that she was at and the therapist always wanted to talk about her weight and that was not why she was coming in there Mm -hmm. so i'm like Mm -hmm. you have the right 
to go find the person that fits you. Mm -hmm. Now, don't go find a yes man or yes woman because then that's not beneficial. But you find the person that you uh, vibe well with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Like, which is why I say kind of like what I was saying a moment ago that coming in and talking with us is not the hard part. Mm-hmm. It feels like the hard part because you're revealing such, you know, personal information. Uh, however, the hard part is the work that you do outside because the majority of your time is spent outside of the office. Mm-hmm. Once you have developed a good rapport uh, slash relationship with your therapist, you know, you may not like focusing on some of these things but you you enjoy the process you Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of people that look forward to going to (laughs) therapy you'd be surprised and the thing is you come to therapy to work on the things that you need to work on we don't tell you what to we follow you Mm -hmm. so if you because i had a a client a couple of weeks ago who said you know we started off working on a certain subject and then the next time that person came in she started talking about something else and she was like I just realized like therapy is just so like it's no order to it I said it just depends on where what you come in with it depends on the person yes because some clients that we get are very regimented Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about one Mm -hmm. then two then three three a three b three c four (laughs) and then we have other who hop all over the place and And that's fine like mm -hmm. my how I start every one of my sessions and my clients who have me can attest to this how are you doing what's been going on this week and that leads us so many different places some people like this is what went on this is what went on and now let's talk about homework and then I have other people like what this happened and they and then that's the major problem Mm -hmm. there's not like I said earlier you don't have to have a cookie cutter therapy Mm -hmm. unless that's what you want I don't recommend it personally because then you you're doing treatment plan therapy and that is that is ridiculous and i don't believe any of the therapists in this office are i don't think any of us i think we we all follow our client because what we're what we've been working on may not be what you need to work on today you may have Mm -hmm. just had a situation happen yesterday that you need to discuss and work out and work Mm -hmm. through and figure it out and and we still trying to talk about what we talked about last week and that's not gonna work for you then you done came to therapy for no reason Mm-hmm. Yep. I usually start off and for the clients that have me, they know the first thing comes out of my mouth is, all right, so if it depends on if it's a week or two weeks or however long it's been since I've seen them, I say, okay, give me the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. And they, I, and I they, just, they do, they say, okay, well, the good was blah, 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 blah. The bad was da, 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 da. And then the ugly was this, 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 this. And then it's like, okay. And sometimes the the ugly is stuff that's related to a theme of things that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like Dr. Jones was just saying, the ugly is, well, last night XYZ happened. Okay, so I know I'm, as the clinician, you always have something running in the background of this is the theme of what we're working on. Yeah. But And sometimes I need to table that for now because there's a more prevalent issue that they need to address. Yeah. So then when they come next week, okay, so we talked about this last week. Are we good there? Yes, that's good. Okay, then we can go back to talking about, you know, the the overall or overarching issue while you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just thought, I, what's going on? Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> I love how we all do the same but different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally... <laughs> 
I had this conversation with a couple that I see um, this week and the the husband got so upset that his wife brought up something that was not what we were supposed to be talking to about today. And mm-hmm. I had to tell them it's okay to talk about different stuff. But if y'all feel that that is an issue and y'all want to streamline it, we can do that as well. This is y'all's therapy. Mm-hmm. Let's not have a whole conniption mm-hmm. about structure when we need to have a conniption about what's going on in the marriage. So yeah. I said, let's, okay, you're deflecting. Come on back now. <laughs> so <laughs> just so kind of piggybacking on that. So another thing I think that therapy is, it is a teaching in real time. Yes. So some people believe that therapists don't have, can't have boundaries. So like if you know you're, who said that whole lie. but there are people out there that believe it now. Like if you're late to session every, every week and I set a boundary for you that, okay, you, you know, you've shown up, you know, 15 at the 15 minute mark for the last three sessions, you know, like what's going on. We need to talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Or, you know, it's been three or four weeks and we've been talking about the same thing. And, you know, I'm asking about, okay, so what have you done? And you continue to say nothing or I don't know, or, you know, I haven't really thought about it. You know, it's okay. Please understand that therapists have boundaries too. And if we see that something is not progressing or that there is some, mm, I feel like this is about to be too strong, but I was going to block. Thank you. Or I was thinking like a limit that's been set, Mm -hmm. you know, like your like session time, you know, that's a limit, you know, and that limit is being, you know, kind of broken or Mm -hmm. tested. I don't know what word I want to put there. Um, You know, that we also can teach in real time a way to communicate how to set a boundary with you in a healthy way. Yeah. If you get mad at us because of something that we've said, because if you're, that's going to happen sometimes in therapy, yes. your, your therapist is going to say something that's going to make you upset. Um, that's possibly going to hurt your feelings. Um, but we are an individual that you can test all of these skills that we've been talking about mm-hmm. in real time in a safe space because you know, your therapist is not going to yell at you. We're not going to scream. We're not going to name call. We're not going to, Um, degrade you so you can practice your feelings expression Mm -hmm. learn the you know the different words for different feelings you know what that impact was on you and do it in a way knowing that what you're going to get in return is much healthier yes Mm -hmm. now (laughs) and if you want old rebt the original you might have got some of that but that's not the that's not the way we practice it (laughs) yes yeah we don't do that Mm -mm. (laughs) No, that's hilarious. We walk with, not on. Yeah, <laughs> no, I ain't got that type of energy. No, I don't feel like. Now it. I'm not gonna say it don't cross my mind sometimes. Yeah, and you know, depend because of my population. Sometimes I I might have to get with you, but mm-hmm. I I'm not gonna get with you unprofessionally. Now right. we all do that. Right. That that kind of goes back to what Doctor Strickland was saying. We have boundaries. There are just certain things that's not gonna fly. Um, I tell all my clients, do not talk to me crazy. Do not be disrespectful with me because I don't have to have you as a client. Yeah. The same way you don't have to have me as a therapist or a counselor. I don't have to have you as a client and there will not be any disrespect tolerated in my office. Yes. 
because I've had some people jump fly. That's more so really with my um my adolescence, and mm. then as soon mm-hmm. as you kind of oh, okay, she cool, I like her. I'm like, we had to do all that for you to like me. Come on now, but <laughs> we don't really have a lot of that type of mm-hmm. problem with adults unless it's mm-hmm. more so addiction. Well, I mean, addiction or personality disorders, things of that nature, because those are Mm -hmm. those are types of issues that break boundaries on a regular. So you have to really be firm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I'm thinking about one in particular. Me too. You're probably thinking about the same person. Oh, I wish you had been here. I wish we could get into that story. I, but yeah. man. I understand because you y'all know when I hear voices get loud yeah because I, I come out of my office i have literally had to be like can we hold on one second i'm hearing a commotion outside and i just want to make sure and check on the safety of everybody in here yeah she they they <laughs> so my room is tip this is dr jones speaking <laughs> <laughs> my room is the room that it's usually coming out of and they all like Pop wait a minute wait, wait 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 a minute what hold, sh- hold on just a moment let me look i'd be so focused on what's going on over there i'm not even paying attention to what's going on in my own room and i'd be like hold on wait wait wait, stop (laughs) yeah so it can you know therapy can get lively it's not always a somber session it's not always tears Mm -hmm. sometimes it is elevated voices oh yeah yeah i've had a whole couple screaming at each other and they don't typically scream at each other y'all remember y'all was all outside like (laughs) What is going on in Dr. Wall's office? My mm-hmm. office ain't never jumping like this. It was jumping that day, and I was just sitting there looking at him like, okay, they need to get this out. I ain't mm-hmm. gonna get in the middle of a married couple. Mm-hmm. They yeah. got it together though. They did. And sometimes you have to let that ha- those types of things happen because I know I have done the mm-hmm. same thing. I've let couples argue. Go ahead. So I, first of all, because I need to see how you arguing at home. Because mm-hmm. if this is how you arguing at home and you yelling and screaming, this is why y'all not resolving yeah, anything. Yeah, just disrespect. Because I'm like mm-hmm. y'all done now. Y'all comfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. If you'll do it in front of me now, oh y'all comfortable now. Mm-hmm. You're not putting on the representatives trying to look good in session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love it when they get to that point. I think. I almost venture to say pretty much like the majority of therapists probably sit back and just watch mm-hmm. and say, okay, let me see how they're doing this because it's good data and it's good information for us to be able to go back and yeah. when we reflect on kind of, okay, where did this breakdown happen? You know what, like Dr. Jones and Dr. Wall were both saying, like, what is your argument style? Do you tend to be critical? Do you tend to name call? Do you tend to gaslight? Do you tend to dismiss? You know, like, what is Do your you not argue? Do you just take it? Mm-hmm. Are, are you silent? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's good information. So there's usually a rhyme um, to the reason or no. Rhyme mm-hmm. or reason. Rhyme or reason. Thank you for, <laughs> for that. Um, <laughs> you know, um, behind what we're doing. Yeah. So that's one of the benefits of getting a licensed professional is mm-hmm. that there is a systematic approach that's being taken to your care. It is not just us flying by the seat of our pants, just like, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but let's just figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is method to the madness and there's a whole ethical board behind whoever your therapist or clinician is mm-hmm. that there are certain things that we have to abide by yeah we are governed by ethics mm-hmm. the state of texas mm-hmm. for us in particular yes, yes. 
Um, so the only other thing that I was going to add as far as not necessarily what therapy is or is not, but how, um, disciplines work together. Mm -hmm. So in particular mental licensed mental health professionals and, um, medical professionals, uh, Mm -hmm. namely psychiatry, uh, which that includes MDs and nurse practitioners because both of them are prescribers, Um, at least in the state of Texas, um, both of them have prescriptive abilities and the, you know, our disciplines work side by side. Uh, sometimes we do recommend that, you know, your emotional health has gotten to a point where just doing talk therapy on its own is not going to be as effective because you're, emotional level has gotten so high that any information that we try to get you give to you is not getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to learn. It's hard to retain information when you are in a very heightened or sensitive emotional state. Mm-hmm. And, and that's different from being in a state of needing higher level of care. And the, the thing with that is that in order for you, in order for you to know that you would need to have a trained professional to identify that because it's a difference between, and I'm just going to use the extreme for an example. It's a difference between having fleeting suicidal thoughts and being suicidal Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a trained professional would know what to listen for to know, okay, you need medication as opposed to no, you need to be hospitalized. Yeah, exactly. And typically your medication, and this is what I tell my clients, your medication takes the edge off of what you are experiencing Mm -hmm. so that you can properly deal with the issues and the problems that you are facing and you deal with those in therapy. They go together. It's not one or the other when it comes to that, when you get to that place. I'm not a huge fan of someone just getting medication and no therapy. Mm-hmm. I I haven't in my years of being a therapist I've never found where that is the best. Right. I I do agree. I think that I do think that people can get therapy without medication. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah. think that people need to take medication without therapy. Mhm. Yes. And the other thing now of course we are not medical um professionals um But if you were to speak to a medical professional about medication, many times these are not meds that are designed for you to be on for the rest of your life. There are a select few um, type of mental health slash behavioral health um, illnesses or diagnoses that are more likely to Mm -hmm. be on medication lifelong. But for the most part, for your more situationally based types of depression, anxiety, um, and things like that, those meds are not necessarily designed for you to be on them 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. More than likely, if you're going to a um, lower level, we are considered a lower level of care. If you're coming to see us, more than likely, I'm not going to say all um, situations, but more than likely, you're one of those people, if needed, if medication is needed, you're not going to be on it lifelong. Mm-hmm. More than likely yeah. it's only probably one diagnosis that people would have, but we wouldn't see them. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I, I mouthed something, guys. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so, so the one that she mouthed, we probably would not see them. The one that I mouthed, we probably would. But and so that's the one that would probably need medication mm-hmm. lifelong. They don't need to yeah. mm-hmm. higher level of care. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Um, do we want to do higher levels of care or no? Um, let's go ahead and do it because we still need to talk about the other professions that therapy is not. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we've kind of been throwing around the term higher level of care and we haven't really explained what that is. So just so that you guys are aware, um, there are essentially four kind of main levels of therapy. Your lowest level is called outpatient, which is what we do. Um, Dr. Jones, Wall, and myself, um, we do what's called outpatient therapy. So it's you and a therapist uh, in an office setting doing weekly, biweekly, monthly therapy. The belief is that you have enough resources and supports to be able to function on a daily basis. And you just need some additional um, help working through um, some life issues. Mm-hmm. If things get a little bit more intense for you, there is something called intensive outpatient um, or IOP. And that means, you know, you for the most part can still relatively function um, on a day to day basis, but you do need some additional supports. So you're likely going to go to therapy uh, a few days a week, maybe three days a week for uh, up to three hours a day. Generally, of course, every program um, is different. These are very general numbers that I'm about to give you. Um, so you do what's something called intensive outpatient. So it's a, a group therapy setting. So it's you and several other individuals, a few hours, a few days a week, because you just need more support than being able to see your, your therapist once a week. If you need a little bit more because you have something like, um, passive um, suicidal ideation. So you don't really necessarily have a plan, um, but you've been thinking about it um, and it's just a present, you know, kind of ever present thought, or you've had on the opposite end of that, some uh, homicidal ideation Mm -hmm. and you're thinking about hurting somebody else. Um, Those are probably the biggest two that would get you bumped up to what's called partial hospitalization or PHP. Um, So this is, you're going to go to therapy pretty much five to six days a week for multiple hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be anywhere from six to eight hours a day um, because you need a lot of supports, but you go home at night Mm -hmm. um, because you do have the ability to still stay safe. Um, You are not a threat to yourself or others. Uh, physical threat to yourself or others. So you go home at night, but you spend the majority of your like work day basically mm-hmm. um, in therapy. Then there's a level above that. If you are a threat to yourself or a threat to others, um, and this can include suicidal, homicidal, or psychosis, um, or like severe self-harm behaviors, mm-hmm. then you would step up to what's called inpatient. So this is you basically the same as PHP. However, you stay overnight. That's Mm -hmm. the main difference. So you still go to therapy multiple hours um, throughout the day, multiple days per week, but you stay the night. If you need even more support than that, the highest level of care is called residential. 
And this, so inpatient is usually about two weeks. That's about the max you're probably going to be able to get in an inpatient setting. And that's if you have pretty severe symptoms going on. Um, Partial hospitalization is also generally about two weeks and intensive outpatient can be somewhere between four to six weeks. If you need the highest level, um, which would be a residential treatment center, um, this is now you have gone somewhere to live and you will mm-hmm. stay there. That can range. Then that's going to be based off your f- financial ability, your mm-hmm. current symptom presentation, your insurance. There's a lot of things. It can be 30 days. It could be 45 days, 90 days. Um, but you ha- have now needed round the clock care, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's so <laughs> that's your introduction to the different levels of care. Yes. Um, that are out there. But like we said, most individuals are going to be outpatient that that's your general, most people are going to fall there. And likely, occasionally maybe need IOP. It's when you've gotten to a much more severe level where you need the other levels. And just to kind of round out today's session about what therapy is what therapy isn't we wanted to talk about some of the other uh, disciplines out there. So we described psychiatry, um, therapist slash counselor, but there are some other, um, types of ways that you can get help. Thank you. (laughs) I was going to say guidance. (laughs) I like both of those. Yes. (laughs) And the, the thing is, this is not, we're not trying to, uh, slight any field. All are needed and, and it just depends on what you need. Mm-hmm. So we have life coaches mm-hmm. and these are your Alanya Van Zant's. And I know some of you are not fans of hers, but mm-hmm. that she is a life coach. And basically uh, a life coach has a certification. Most have a certification it is not a um, classically trained. Yes. Yeah, and it's not supervised by a state. So you, you do run the risk of like, you don't know what education they've gotten. So do be mindful of that. So some of you don't like some of the um, techniques that Alanya Benzant use and because they can be some sort of unorthodox ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and so though some of her, the, the ways, the tools that she used, we would never be able to use as therapists or we would have to modify yeah modify those yes because of our ethics board Mm -hmm. and and that's okay that's fine because it works for her you know I'm not saying that she's doing something wrong or right because based on what the certification I assume that she has that works for her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some people are able to um identify with that and they're able to make good changes from it so Mm -hmm. it's helpful and needed yeah. yeah, but think, it's completely different from a therapist. Yeah, I think it's important when you think of life coach, you think of dealing with typically more minor issues that come up. It doesn't necessarily need the um, in-depth look from a clinical perspective because uh, you you don't want to have psychosis. Like you seeing stuff, you hearing stuff thinking things and you're going to a life coach they're not necessarily going to be able to give you the care that you need 
at that point, it does not mean that you can't have a life coach and a clinician. You can mm-hmm. have both. You can, have mo- you can have all of these together at the same time. That's perfectly okay. You might be a little therapied and life coached and other things out mm-hmm. by the end of the week. So I don't necessarily recommend it, but you can. But life coaching is literally them helping you with, you know, regular life problems. That's not to say that also clinicians will not be doing that as well. Because I know there are some of our clients who come just because, okay, I had a life change. How do I do this? Mm -hmm. And so that is a a more brief form Mm -hmm. of therapy. But with life coaching, it's important to realize that these are not going to be in the upper levels of care. They are not going to necessarily have someone that they are answering to when they are giving you this care so it's not a it's a very new area when you think about the history of uh, Mm -hmm. mental mental health yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I agree and then we have the lovely pastors (laughs) I'm trying to think of so pastors are not therapist unless they have a license thank you (laughs) unless they have a license in a mental health field yes now they can give you spiritual guidance Mm -hmm. but that's not therapy Mm -hmm. no and for some i understand spiritual guidance is definitely needed I agree with that. That's why I said these things, we all work together. So spiritual guidance is definitely needed, but I definitely agree with Dr. Wall when she said that you can have a life coach, a therapist and a pastor to spiritually guide you. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember what you're going to that person for their expertise. Their expertise hopefully is in spirituality, not in I went upside my wife's head mm-hmm. and I need the pastor to tell me whatever. Yes, they mm-hmm. can help guide you and steer you, but that's also at the point where you need to have a list of resources for your parishioners or the people that attend your church so that they can also get the necessary clinical help that they need to get because there's some other stuff going on that just praying it away is not going to do. Mm-hmm. Faith without works is it's dead. dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you may be having some kind of organic issue going on, like bipolar, Mm -hmm. you know, that is, you know, that's a chemistry thing inside of your body. Yeah. Um, And the trained ear and or eye will not hear what they need to hear, hear what we would hear to be able to diagnose that for you to get something further. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you also have to remember when you get into relationship with your pastor, as far as needing their help. That is not an unbiased situation. Hmm. That is a reciprocal relationship, or at least it should be, because that is what the church is for. Yeah. Um, Whatever your church is, your church, your temple, whatever. Um, So that person is giving you a list of things to work on based off of the scripture or their holy books that they know. And it shouldn't just be based off of, well, go do this or go do that. Once they start doing that, it then becomes opinion. Or if they start talking to you from a place of a clinician and that is not what their license or their degree, their degree and license together, together is in, then that becomes a problem and they are outside their scope of practice. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people we have had where 
they went to counseling with their minister, their pastor, whatever, and it's no clinical information going on. This person is over here about to have a completed attempt on their life and all the information that they are getting is that they need to pray it away. They need to be a better Christian or whatever the faith is. And they need to go read some scripture. Yeah. Yeah. You, you about to be one less parishioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because one, that's one, that's one of the quickest ways to get people to leave church. Yeah. Because when that method doesn't work, then they blame God. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous place to be, to be mad at God and blaming him because he didn't help you in your situation. Yeah. So. It's, it's the psychological warfare. Perfect. Mm. And that is, that happens in church. You know, I'm, I'm a whole deacon's granddaughter. So I, I definitely understand the need for, Uh, spiritual guidance and spiritual counseling but I also understand the fact that there is a time for everything if you know scripture you know where I'm coming from (laughs) there's a time and a season yes and you can't (laughs) let power go to your head if you are in that role of not allowing your parishioners to get the help that they need to get because I've seen that as well and it becomes about you and not about them you you a lot of times are the first line of defense for them not to you know get worse and if you are not doing your job then you might need to step down Mm. and that's that on that she said a word there drop the mic she did (laughs) y'all i'm serious because that irritates me like my grandfather was a really good deacon and it's i think it's because he had a lot of life experience being in the military growing up in franklin tennessee with a lot of racism and a lot of you know different things that he went through in his family and then traveling the world and experiencing experiencing a lot of different things gives you a different perspective Mm -hmm. on life as a whole however everybody don't get that at their church sometimes it is you do as i say and that's that's it that's it I've heard that from clients. Yeah, I've had clients come in uh, several times um, hurt and I'm going to be very extreme damaged from church hurt. And Hmm, spiritual abuse is real. mm -hmm. And and now, you know, of course, because I do do some faith based Mm -hmm. um, therapy. Now I have to uh, help them to heal from the church hurt while also kind of helping them to coddle their faith so that they can get back to where they were Yeah, without thinking that everybody in the church is like that or, you know, God hates me or, you know, things like that. You know, you have, you have to be very careful when it comes to people's internal care. Mm -hmm. Cause if you, you damage it, it's hard for them. To yeah. come back, bounce back from that. You have to teach them discernment, mm-hmm. which is ironic. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the minister or the the holy person is supposed to be teaching them discernment. And instead they have abused it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. But hopefully, you know, 
if you are going to go to your minister, make sure that you are looking for your spiritual guidance. And then even if they can't give you that spiritual guidance, then you go to someone else in the church or maybe you need to go to a different church. That's that's big too. Just because you have been somewhere once, you can fire your church just like you can fire us as therapists, just like you can fire your life coach or mm-hmm. your psychiatrist or whoever. You have to go somewhere that fits yeah. and make your sure, needs. And make sure you're comfortable whatever that with whatever they're saying. If they're you feel like they're guiding you the wrong way, stop it. Just stop. Yeah. Don't keep going back. Mm-mm. Don't let nobody force you into a compromising position because that already I can see that being a problem with your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And because they're your minister, you should just let them. No, Mm-mm. you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Not people, at all. Them, those particular people, church uh, related people, your family, your friends, those are the people that should take the best care of you. Just remember that you can definitely have all of these uh, people as your resources and they are needed for different reasons. Um, But make sure you pick one, pick the one that is best for what your problems are. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So we have a quote today and it reads, mental strength is not the ability to stay out of the darkness. It's the ability to sit present in the darkness, knowing that the light will shine again. So, okay, interns, process your notes. Be sure to catch us next session and find us on all major platforms at The Recycled Podcast. If you're a new intern, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. And remember, we are shifting and reshaping our psyche through healing conversations and connections, one discussion at a time. Thank you.